The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm always delighted to be with you. And today, what we're go- I'm going to be talking with you about are adolescent mothers who do or decide not to breastfeed. You know, one of the things that I think happens is that most of us tend to think of adolescence as, well, they're pregnant, they're having a baby, they must be like all the rest of us. And actually, they're really not. And so what I'm hoping that I can do for you today is to help you to understand how these young women have some very different kinds of things going on from a developmental standpoint and how the rest of us have an opportunity to help them in their breastfeeding efforts. I know that there are so many different people who listen to this show There are mothers who are very experienced breastfeeders. There are mothers who are pregnant and have never even held a newborn, perhaps. There are people who have been nurses for 27 years. There are people who are lactation consultants. There are all sorts of people out there. But one thing is for sure. I think that all of you, by virtue of the fact that you're listening to this show, What you're really saying is that breastfeeding is important to you. Probably that breastfeeding was a good experience for you. That it's, and if you haven't had that experience, that you're looking forward to having that good experience. And by the way, that is half the battle, just having a positive outlook. So I'm hoping that maybe what all of us today share, literally thousands of us who are in this call together today, what we share is our passion for doing something that is natural, wonderful, life-giving, bonding, all of those fine things. And I would like to ask you that no matter what your role is, whether you're a professional or whether you're a parent or whether you're both a professional and a parent, whatever your situation is, understand that these young women who are adolescents and thinking about breastfeeding or maybe doing breastfeeding might have some different kinds of needs, perhaps, than someone like me or maybe like you. So I would challenge you, go out there and try to help these young women, whether it's through your church group or the YMCA or the hospital or wherever you are, Try to take in what I'm about to say and try to help these young gals who really need your help. 
Let's look at the United States, where, of course, I am based. And I know that we do have listeners throughout the world. In the United States, many pregnant adolescents choose to keep their babies rather than offering them up for adoption. And in fact, about a fifth of those moms go on to become pregnant with a second child within the next three years. So hence, their experience is not only about what happens with this baby, but what happens or doesn't happen with the next baby who might come along fairly soon. Adolescents who have social issues to deal with when they're pregnant also have physical risk factors, too. For example, teenagers are much more likely to deliver babies that are preterm, preterm meaning before 37 weeks, babies who are low birth weight, that is less than 2,500 grams, and they also have a higher risk of delivering babies who are stillborn or babies who die within the first 28 days after birth. Those of us who are professionals call that neonatal death, neonatal being in the first 28 days. In the United States, fewer than half of mothers who are younger than 20 years old initiate breastfeeding. And here's the thing. Lack of knowledge is a common reason why adolescents don't breastfeed. And yes, I know you're saying, oh, Marie, come on, get a life. Don't you think that the uh, over 20 are in the same boat? And the answer is, yeah, but not, not quite as much. And I think that when we look at something like knowledge, it's more than just saying, here's a book, here's a pamphlet, here you go, read up. All right. It is that sometimes they actually think they know about breastfeeding, but what they, quote, know, some of those things are really just myths. And so the rest of us need to help that young woman to have a greater understanding of babies in general and feeding methods in particular. However, adolescents certainly are more than capable of physically breastfeeding. That's not a problem. Those of us who are likely to breastfeed uh, or, or, or rather, excuse me, those who are teenagers and who are more likely to breastfeed are generally, for example, the older teens. So those that might be 18 or 19, as opposed to those that are 13 or 14. And also, no surprise here, those who have been exposed to others might be friends, might be family that have breastfed. And by the way, I will tell you that the research about older women, meaning, you know, over 20, shows that, in fact, a person's first encounter with breastfeeding, either good or negative, tends to influence their perception of breastfeeding forever. So understand that these young women might have seen something. They might have seen a friend struggle or a friend had a really good experience. They might have seen a mother breastfeed uh, a little brother or sister. That's a good experience. Well, hopefully that's a good experience. And so you see what I'm saying is that it's not just that they've had 
exposure to others through their conversations and such, although they probably have had that, but also that they have had exposure that is firsthand exposure, those are the ones who are more likely to breastfeed. And oh, by the way, just like the woman who is more than 20, the young woman who is less than 20 is more likely to breastfeed if her own mother breastfed. Nothing new there, folks. And as might be expected, older teens who are married, so they're in a stable relationship, are also more likely to breastfeed. Now, all of these statistics probably come as little or no surprise to those of us who have been unable to convince teens that breastfeeding is not only possible, but optimal. We're more likely to motivate them to breastfeed if we modify our usual approach. Now, you've probably heard me say this more times than I can count. Yeah, brother, you probably have. I'm sure that I have said I don't spend a whole lot of my time giving a litany of benefits to to people. I, I simply don't think that works. I don't think that the literature shows that that works. I think that it is true that if you look at the breastfeeding mothers and you ask them why did they breastfeed, they will tell you the benefits of breastfeeding were an influential factor. But if you really look at all of the mothers, what I think you'll find is that the bottle feeding mothers can also quote you the benefits of breastfeeding. So that, you know, that that huge laundry list of stuff that we tell them. But in fact, they choose not to breastfeed anyway. They know those things. It just doesn't persuade them. So I think that we need to keep all of that in mind with women who are more than 19 or 20 years old. But certainly we need to understand that that's very highly unlikely to persuade a woman to breastfeed if she's a teenager. So what have we got to do here? We really need to structure the content of the information so that it includes the adolescent's mother's developmental needs. And second, we need to use a method of delivering that content in a way that is interactive, but not threatening. Now, there's there's the $64 question. How are you going to get this to be interactive? without threatening. Theories of psychological development provide a lot of clues about both the content and the methodology that is likely to appeal to adolescents. So before we go to break, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about the developmental considerations. In 1950, psychologist Eric Erickson identified eight developmental stages that humans actually experience. And of course, he started out with trust versus mistrust and so forth and so on. Erickson's basic premise was that one must successfully accomplish one developmental task before moving on to the next developmental task. And that one outcome is optimal. For instance, with a tiny baby, the optimal thing would be trust. And the other thing is undesirable, less than optimal. 
So in the example that I just gave you, it would be mistrust. And of course, I'll talk a little bit more uh, about the um, the developmental uh, of the, the teens in just a minute. Just, just let me get there. I think it's really important that you understand that there are some strategies that tend to work with adolescents. Peer counseling is enormously important. Educating the whole family. So it's not useful to talk to just the young girl. Rather, it's useful to talk to the young girl and her mother or the young girl and her boyfriend or whoever it is. But it's got to be more than just her in isolation. The next strategy that works is helping the adolescent to form strong, trusting relationships. Rooming in during hospitalization is a wonderful strategy. So all of you hospital nurses, listen up. I am telling you, yes, I know that you and I, for that matter, get plenty of pushback about rooming in. But that's a wonderful time when those hormones are front and center and when we are there to help that young woman to interpret those cues that she's seeing with the baby. That's a wonderful time. You might, in in a sort of a practical way, really need to look at how to strategize with that young woman for having some sort of plan for how she's going to go back to school in two weeks. Because remember, this is not the older mom who's going back to work in six weeks or two months or three months. We're talking about somebody who's going back to high school in two weeks. Support, support, support. And what I would say there is, those are the things that would be the, um, the way to go for strategies that work. Two strategies that don't work are lecturing and authority-based influences. Now, when we come back, I will pick up and I'll talk a little bit more about those developmental stages, and I'll start with body images. I'm Marie Biancusa with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. 
How many times have you heard this? I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. You are what you eat. I've tried every diet. Diets don't work. It's time to stop this kind of madness and start thinking and feeling empowered to change your health. Tune in to The Raw Truth with Chef Sharon Fraser. Join us weekly for thought-provoking conversations with world-renowned experts in the food, medical, holistic, sports medicine, chiropractic, and naturopathic health sciences. The Raw Truth airs live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we're talking about adolescents and their breastfeeding experience and how we, as either other parents or professionals, can help them to have a really good experience. Before I go on, I'd just like to remind all of those of you who are professionals that every single week I have a bunch of cool stuff that is going on on my professional site, which is breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'll repeat that. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. We almost always have a free webinar at least once a month, sometimes uh, more than that, depends on what the season is. Sometimes we have two free webinars. Don't forget to sign up for those. They're free. They're always live. You get a chance to ask me questions. It's very cool. These are not useful for parents, by the way, uh, unless parents are planning on being professionals. Uh, But anyway, I would really encourage you to do that. I would also say all of you should at some point or another think about how you can uh, reach me on the radio show. You may or may not have the opportunity to call in, but I would invite you, please, make sure that you send your email messages to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I will repeat that. Send your email messages to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I can't guarantee that I will always be able to use your question on the show, but I might be able to, and you'll never know unless you try. So then, I had just gotten through talking to you about, I don't know, five or six or seven strategies that work. Peer counselors, which of course is one of my favorite ways to get things to work with younger women. Educating the family, uh, helping to form strong relationships, rooming in during hospitalization, getting a strategy together for how the woman's going to go back to to school at two weeks, and support, 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 support. And two strategies that really don't work, lecturing and authority-based influences. Now, I was talking to you a few minutes ago about the whole idea 
of Eric Erickson and his developmental stages and how what he talks about is that there are sort of two sides to one coin and what we want to accomplish is the optimal one, not the suboptimal one. And so for adolescents, pregnant or otherwise, breastfeeding or otherwise, male or female, whatever, for adolescents, Erickson says the task is ego identity, which of course is the optimal thing, versus role confusion. Role confusion is not a good thing. Alrighty? Try to just think about this for a moment. Try to think back to your own adolescence and how you might have felt a little bit confused about who you were, what you wanted to be, who you could be, who somebody else was in relation to who you were. How one minute you felt a little bit like you wanted to just take on the world and how the next minute you wanted your mother to take over for you. That is a little bit of that role confusion. And, you know, eventually those of us who are healthy work it all out. But there's a lot of role confusion in the adolescent years. And so where this kind of gets hairy, all right, is that this young girl who is pregnant now is struggling with what her own role identity is. And she suddenly got to take on another whole person. And so it does become somewhat confusing. In breastfeeding, she forms a very strong bond with that baby. That also can be either good or bad for that identity versus role confusion. So everything that I'm going to say in the next few minutes really pertains to these kinds of developmental tasks or developmental levels, whatever you want to call them, as related to breastfeeding. The first one that I'd like to talk about is body image issues. Teens are particularly preoccupied with their body image. They're concerned about the weight they've gained during pregnancy, and quite honestly, they'll tell you they think they look fat after giving birth. And furthermore, they often believe that breastfeeding will make their breasts sag. Now, I know that I talked about this uh, in a few shows ago where I talked about uh, all of the prenatal issues, or I might have called them pregnancy issues, where they were uh, the myths of pregnancy or the myths of prenatal. And you know that I just totally blew that one out of the water for you. I spent a lot of time on that. You can go back and listen to that show if you'd like. But these young women need help recognizing that breastfeeding actually may be a way to improve their figure. Breastfeeding most certainly helps the uterus to quickly return to its pre-pregnant size. So the breastfeeding mother, this is what I always used to say, I'd always say, do you want to be able to zip up your jeans before you leave the hospital? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, you have a whole lot better of a shot at that if you are breastfeeding your baby than if you're formula feeding the baby. Now, I will admit that some of them had to lie on the bed and suck in their gut in order to do it, but when, as a postpartum nurse, it was my responsibility to see how far their uterus had descended below their belly button. I can tell you that the gals who were um, formula feeding in the first day or so, 
theirs was only one or two finger breadths below the umbilicus. Those that were breastfeeding could be as much as three or four. Yes, four. Albeit, I do have small fingers, but just the same. So I think that that's something that is a possible motivator because it speaks to where they are at with their ego identity and their body image issues. Now, just a word about the sagging breasts. It really shouldn't be a problem. Certainly those ligaments can be overstretched during pregnancy, but Again, I would refer you to a previous show where I talked much more about that because it doesn't have to be. Now, some young women, uh, well, some older women for that matter, don't want to breastfeed because they're afraid of embarrassment. They're afraid of exposing their breasts. Although some exposure is certainly possible or even likely during the early days of breastfeeding. You know, honestly, mothers can learn to nurse very discreetly in the later postpartum period. (sighs) Convincing teens of this may be difficult or impossible without visual aids. So I would suggest that you show pictures or videotapes of women who are nursing discreetly and ask the gal that you're talking with or maybe a whole group of them to determine which one is just cuddling the baby and which one's nursing the baby, okay? I'm thinking, for instance, I I don't know if they still have it. I just haven't seen it in a while, but then, on the other hand, I haven't gone looking for it in a while. It was a wonderful image that was put out by Enjoy. And for those of you who have not discovered the Enjoy uh, media, trust me, these guys do a really good job. It's I-N-J-O-Y. I don't think I've ever seen one of their, uh, well, in the old days it used to be recording uh, videotapes. Of course, now we've gone moved beyond that. But uh, I, I just don't think they've, they've ever done anything bad. They're always good. But this one in particular was a young woman who was in her teens, and she had on something, some gray outfit or grayish, blackish, coalish color outfit. And they took the picture of her twice, one where she was just cuddling the baby and one where she was nursing the baby. I, I challenge you to determine which one is which. And you should challenge any young woman that you are trying to persuade to determine which one is which, because I think it's pretty doggone hard. Okay? Here's the thing. If the young woman is comfortable with herself and if she's comfortable with you, uh, you might ask her which she thinks is which. If she's not comfortable, that's not going to work. And if you're in a group setting, it's probably not going to work if she feels like she's being tested or, you know, threatened or something. But if if it's a fairly comfortable environment, that would work. If not, here's the workaround. If I'm teaching a class, I'll just ask them to write their answer on a piece of paper, okay? In either case, the difficulty in making that determination can spark some real lively discussion when you give the answer about which image is which. And then, of course, you can go on to give some practical tips on choosing clothes that permit discreet breastfeeding. Okay? So that's kind of where you want to be with all of that. Okay, then. What we've really talked about are some of these body image issues 
And I'd like to just remind you that you are listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuzzo. And when we come back, we'll be talking about some independence issues. I hope that will be helpful for you. All right. So hang on. Don't go away. All right. We'll be right back after this short break. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me today. As you may know, we've been talking about adolescents and how to help them to make their decision about breastfeeding and to help them to overcome some of the things that might be obstacles or barriers for them and to give you some strategies so that you can sort of reach them in a way that is useful for them. Let me be quick to say here that I know that you're probably listening to this in the spring of 2014. And you might be thinking, those of you who have ever thought about getting your IBCLC credential, you might be thinking, oh, the exam is not until like next July. And that would be true. But remember two things. First of all, 
it's imperative that in order to sit for the exam in July of 2014, you need to have had your application completed by March 31st of 2014. You don't necessarily need to have all of your paperwork completed, but you do need to have that application completed by March 31st. And then you may or may not be able to get an extension on your paperwork. That's a little bit more complicated than what I want to go into in the radio show. All right, I'm just kind of giving you fair warning that you need to visit the IBLCE's website and uh, you know figure that out for yourself. For the rest of you, what I want to say is don't think that you're going to start your coursework for 2015 in January because that's going to be way too late. All righty? In January you will need to have your application in by March 2nd, 2015. So I want to urge you that you start looking for getting your uh, requirements done early in the game. If I were you, I would be starting in the summer or the fall. It's never too early to start. And I would start getting that stuff together so that I could get all of my paperwork finished up by 2015. And of course, those of you who don't know, I should take a moment to say, just remember, the, re- the exam only comes around once a year for the IBCLC. So if you're thinking about sitting in 2014, I just gave you the dates. If you're thinking about 2015, I would advise you to start your requirements soon. I will be starting my course early. The online portion will start this summer. So please feel free to visit my professional website. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'll repeat that. It's breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. We can help you out. All right, then. I want to go back to the adolescence because that's what I'm talking about today. And I want to talk about the independence issues. Teens are especially concerned with issues of independence, and those who choose formula feeding often will do it because they feel that it's more convenient. They're afraid that breastfeeding will tie them down. Now, remember, these are people who are in that developmental phase of um, ego integrity versus role confusion. So, what you got to do here is to help them to recognize that parenting not breastfeeding, ties them down. And then it can be helpful to point out the reverse side of this situation. The young mother who chooses formula feeding quickly discovers that someone else is feeding her baby. And most mothers readily admit that feeding is the activity most closely associated with the mothering role. But few stop to think about the fact that formula feeding allows another person to take over that role. All right, now think about what I've been saying about that whole bit with role confusion, all right? So for teens dealing with issues of identity versus role confusion, formula feeding can be a real trap because others can easily usurp the role of the caregiver at feeding time, and that's a problem. With nursing, others readily recognize that the mother as the caregiver is the one who feeds the young mother, the, 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 um, the, feeds the baby. Sorry. 
this is a real source of empowerment for the young mother. I don't think I'll ever forget one young woman, tall, skinny. I can see her yet. I know the room she was in. I can visualize her even as I'm talking. She had experienced multiple, multiple difficulties postpartum, but she remained absolutely unshaken in her determination to breastfeed. Now, I'm thinking she was about 15, maybe 16. And no matter what it was, she'd had a cesarean and her incision hurt and she had sore nipples and she had, oh, yikes, I can't remember what all it was. But interestingly, when she said, I don't know, Marie, I don't know if I can do this breastfeeding stuff. Guess what it was that got her back on track? You could say to her, wait a minute. You don't want your mother taking over this baby, do you? And then what would she do? She'd go, no, no. And, you know, here she'd be, she'd be full of tears, frustrated as all get out. But that was what kept her going. She knew that if she nursed the baby, her mother couldn't take over. All right? Breastfeeding looks more attractive to the adolescent if she realizes that exclusive breastfeeding after returning to work or school is just one of many choices. She might choose to wean when she returns to work or to school. And by the way, I'm of the firm philosophy that any breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding, all right? But alternatively, she may choose to nurse only when she's home with the baby and and have a a caregiver provide uh, formula at other times. Or she may want to pump at work or at school. Actually, you may be surprised, but nowadays uh, some schools have pumping rooms or even pumping programs. So really, for the rest of us, our job is to become aware of community resources that promote nursing away from home and present nursing or breastfeeding as a choice along a continuum. It doesn't have to be an all-or-nothing, do-or-die situation, okay? This is especially important for you if you are a school nurse and if you are hearing my voice, man, I really hope you're hearing me on this, okay? Uh, Depending on the class participants, if you've got a class going, this might be a good opportunity for a small group exercise. I admit, running groups is hard, okay? You always kind of got to worry about where people are coming from. But if you could identify each option and ask the participants to divide into some small groups, what you could do then is ask them to discuss what they perceive as the advantages and the disadvantages of that particular option. Each small group could then present those advantages and disadvantages when the large group reconvenes. And when they do, you know, you should feel free to kind of chime in with comments that clarify or expand what they have described. But just remember, You can't give judgmental advice, and you cannot present yourself as the authority. But if you're you're running up a group, it might be a very informal group, it might be a formal group, it might whatever. This is a really great way to help the teens themselves to look at those options across a continuum, and then they get to think through the advantages and disadvantages and present them to their peers. 
It's a really good deal. All right. So that's what I want to say about independence issues. I want to move on then to social acceptance and peer pressure issues. You know, here's the thing. Teens tend to do what other teens are doing and what other teens are not doing, okay? Because they're seeking social acceptance. Unfortunately, few mothers have seen other mothers nurse their babies. And so they assume that artificial feeding is the social norm. And this is especially true for adolescent moms. Peer pressure and peer support are therefore pivotal. And I'm talking pivotal here. In the prenatal period, think about this. Think about this if you're the young woman's mother. Think about this if you're the school nurse. Think about this if you are... Uh, on a high-risk antepartum floor, as I was, in the prenatal period, when the aim is for the mother to choose breastfeeding, using testimonials from other adolescents who have had a happy nursing experience is a very, very effective uh, uh, choice. If this is not an option, for whatever reason, there are some really good uh CDs, videotapes, uh, DVDs, etc. out there, which help to address that. And that might be a more comfortable situation for you. And in the postnatal period, when the aim is to continue nursing, support from peers. I cannot overemphasize the importance of support from peers, which is going to be critical for ongoing success. Similarly, the teen mothers don't want to be different from their peers when it comes to common activities. For example, here's a good one. Um, they want to eat what their peers are eating, and they are worried that their nursing is going to require some special diet, which, of course, if you've been listening to me, you know that I'm not convinced of that at all. I basically tell people I have a self-selected diet, okay? So assure them that their diet can be self-selected. And at the same time, try to kind of gently steer them towards choosing socially acceptable foods that are higher in nutrition. For example, here you go. How about a vegetable pizza, okay? That would be better than the empty calories. I'm thinking potato chips or something, okay? But be careful now. Resist your list of don'ts for alcohol and smoking issues. Quite apart from whether or not they want to nurse, teenagers who smoke should really get all kinds of help to quit prenatally. Yes, I know the alcohol question is also difficult to address. But here's the thing. You don't want to give them the impression that if they choose to nurse their babies, they can't ever have a drink. All right, and you know that's totally a separate discussion. But you, you don't want them to think that that's going to be a forever deal. This will only deter them from breastfeeding. And in many states, 
it's illegal for teenagers. In fact, I think actually probably by now in all states, I'm not sure, uh, it's probably illegal for teenagers to, to purchase alcohol. So you certainly don't want to say it's okay to drink if they're teenagers from the legal standpoint, okay? So you've got to figure out how to present this in a way that doesn't make them feel like a caged animal, doesn't feel like that this is a forever deal, and uh, sort of gives them some opportunity. And this is why I said, try to limit your list of don'ts to smoking and alcohol. The food, that's a lot more negotiable. All righty then. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'll be right back after this short break. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzo with Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host for the show this Monday, every Monday. And today, what we'll be talking about, what we have been talking about, I suppose I should say, is the adolescent mothers, the teenage moms who are either thinking about breastfeeding, initiating breastfeeding, or trying to continue breastfeeding. And I hope that I have really emphasized the importance of social support and 
some real practical advice and approaching all of that from the standpoint of their developmental level, which of course is that role identity versus role confusion. You know, I forgot to tell you earlier, this just dawned on me, I usually give a full-blown presentation on this, and one of the things that I always say to my professional audiences when I teach the course is, help the young woman to tune into only one radio station, and that, of course, I don't know, maybe nowadays, (laughs) maybe nowadays we better have her tune in to Born to be Breastfed, she'd have something to learn. Um, but really, uh, seriously, what I always say is help her to tune into W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Enormously important. What's in it for me? These young gals are very... Um, very focused on their own needs. And I don't mean that in an angry or ugly or uh, condescending way. I mean to say that we have all gone through that. That is what adolescence is about. It is being tuned into yourself because in being tuned into yourself, you start to understand yourself. And when you start to understand yourself, you start to become who you really are. So that inward focus is not necessarily a bad thing. But what we've got to do is channel that energy or help the young woman to channel that energy and that focus into a good thing. So W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? And uh, I think it's kind of interesting that I almost forgot to uh, give a plug for my own radio show, but anyhow, okay. Um, I want to talk to you just a little teeny bit about some of the things that research has shown. And you know, there are just like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of research studies. There's no way I can hit all of them. There are a few, however, that kind of stood out to me as things that were useful. For example, magazines are a frequent media source of information, and it would also, I'm sure, translate to other kinds of media, such as Facebook or whatever. So where are these gals getting their information other than their peers and other than from you? All right, really try to look at what what does it mean, all righty? What is going to be influential to them? Uh, Here's another one. Those teens that tend to choose breastfeeding tend to look at more of the infant advantages if they're going to. But, and and this is true with uh, women who are not adolescents, but I think it's worth mentioning, that what, what happens is the gals who are doing the formula feeding more often said that they had chose formula feeding for these reasons. Convenience which, by the way, I don't consider bottle feeding convenient, but anyway, that they were not tied down, that they didn't have to worry about embarrassment, that they could continue smoking, that they could continue taking the pill, that they could return to work or school without any problem, 
and that they didn't have to worry about breasts as sexual organs. Now, I'm sure they didn't actually use those words, but you know what I mean. That they perceived their breasts as sexual organs as opposed to organs that are meant for nourishing their babies. Uh, Just a short word about the pill. Actually, if they think that, that also is a myth. They can be on the pill. It's just that they need to be on the uh, progestin-only pill if they want to continue nursing. All right. This, on the other hand, was pretty enlightening. Uh, This was a study that showed why gals actually thought that nursing would be a good thing. They said it makes a girl feel important. It's better than formula. It's natural. The babies love the mother more. It's more convenient. It's easier to start. You get more sleep. It's, are you ready for this? Modern. And formula-fed babies make a bigger mess. Uh, which, by the way, I actually really do agree with that. So those are just some things that stood out to me as, oh, wow, okay, good. Uh, certainly no surprise here. One of the things that is enormously important as you look at these studies is that these young women very much want approval from their boyfriends or their partners. So again, I would encourage you, make sure you're looking at all that's going on. Um Teens, of course, are less likely to make the feeding decision before pregnancy. That's just because they haven't lived as long as the rest of us. And, of course, formula feeding often happened because the girls had fear of pain, embarrassment, and being, quote, on your own. So when you're trying to get all of this stuff across, make sure that you focus on presenting the facts without judgment or making the young mothers feel that you forced them into a decision that they'd rather not make and help them so that they don't feel that they are somehow bad if they don't make the, quote, right decision. Show your respect for them and try to communicate that you have confidence confidence in them, that they will make an informed decision and that they will do a good job and that you will be there to help them. That part is critical. And similarly, show that you're willing to be one of those sources of support for them. You know, increasing breastfeeding initiation and continuation among adolescents continues to be a real, real challenge. And though we've got helpful studies that look at this stuff, at the end of the day, here's the thing. We are the only ones that can actually help these people in a tangible way. Okay, then. I never can believe how fast all of this stuff goes. Holy Toledo, that's all the time that we have today. I'd like to thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. You know it's going to be an exciting show. If you're going to be here, I'm going to be here. We're going to have a good time, okay? Please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you're a professional interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes 
right in your city, okay? I'm going to be uh, in several, several cities this spring. So who knows? Maybe I'll see you. Again, that website is born to be breastfed.com. If you are looking for my site for professionals, that would be Breastfeeding Outlook. Dot com. You're also welcome to uh, visit us there. I'm Marie Biancuto, host for Born to be Breastfed, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths, clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel, and in the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.